views expressed on the following program of those of its hosts and participants and no way reflect those of the staff or management of WNRI. Authors Hour. Get the story behind the story. It's all on the Authors Hour. You'll get to hear the authors talking about their books and the journey behind how it all began. Join the opportunity to hear the insights on what inspired them to write it. Now, here is your host, Wayne G. Barber. Good morning, America. Tuesday morning, 9.05. And today is National Vietnam War Memorial Day throughout our country. And on that occasion, we have a very special guest that's going to be coming on very shortly on our doubleheader show today. And we have Sarah Jane Gear. And the name of the book is My Pilot, A Story of War, Love, and ALS. And it's a uh, Military Writers Society of America Silver Medal Award winner, a Big Book Award winner, and other numerous achievements from this fantastic piece of literature. Very, very fortunate to get her and coordinate it for this national holiday. And the first part of our show is going to be sponsored by one of our sponsors, who is a Vietnam veteran. We're talking about Mr. Oscar Hancock a Navy uh, veteran from the Vietnam era, and a member of 818 right here in Woonsocket, and also the proud owner of American Beauty Signworks, and they hire vets. Uh, they're located at 706 uh, St. Paul Street in North Smithfield for all of your advertising needs, whether it's coronavirus, they're in a central coronavirus store, They've been around here since 2007, Midwest before that. And if you look anywhere in the tri-state region for any new business that's opened up, it's the same commonality. Signs by American Beauty Signworks. Digital, vinyl, vehicle wraps, you name it. They are the expert to increase your bottom line. Give them a call. At 401-767-2922. And you can see Oscar in person this weekend over at the Icebreaker at Thompson Speedway. He'll be uh, helping out as a volunteer with Near One, New England Antique Racers over there. He's a big, big uh, board member on that. And the Icebreaker will be taking place at Thompson Speedway. Again, first part of the show sponsored by Oscar the Grouch, American Beauty Signworks. Association of Rhode Island Authors. Anyone can join the Association of Rhode Island Association of Authors. But you'll find that a published author and an aspiring author with a complete manuscript will benefit most from our membership. In addition, your membership fee helps support all Rhode Island's most talented writers. Benefits of being an ARA membership include networking with dozen of local published authors at our monthly meetings that are always held on the second Thursday of the month. Presentations from industry pros on a wide array of published topics, exclusive invitations to speak and conduct your presentations at libraries and other venues. Notice of any expos, festivals, and any other event where books are sold. A reduced table fee at the Rhode Island Authors Expo, a website link in IRA's members directory, and so much more. Check us out at www.riauthors.org. I did. 
Transportation and limousine services provided by CJ Trans of Fairbanks and all hairstyles at the studio by Worcester Hair Company. And also, I can smell that coffee brewing already over at Book Lovers Gourmet, your local independent bookstore owned and operated by Miss Debbie Horian since 1995. They're at 72 East Main Street and Webster, Mass., and very receptive to local authors and local poets for inventory and for presentations right there at the fantastic store. 1,500 square feet loaded to the brim, children's section, puzzles, you name it. New arrivals and special orders are welcome. And they feature Hogan Brothers Coffee which is also available by the pound, and all the bakery products by Phyllis Bakery. Folks, if you or someone you know is celebrating a birthday and you want Wayne to announce it on his program, just send him an email. His address is waynewnri at yahoo.com. Help make that special someone feel like celebrating with a birthday shout-out on WNRI. Thank you, Johnny. And today, Madison Cabral, a big happy birthday. Joey Savini, 49. A former co-worker of mine years and years ago, and she's a hockey mom. Uh, Darlene Slater-Mandeville turns 46 today. Uh, my best man's daughter, you know, Butch has passed away, but Melanie Puria turns 50 today. That tells you I've been married a little bit longer than 50. And a good friend of mine and... Uh, 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 show uh, books on the bookshelf down in uh, Tampa, St. Pete. I work with him every Saturday morning. Stephen Eisenstein, a good member of the show right here, 72 today. And one socket legend for the sci-fi and the special effects, Paul Eno, turns 69 today. AuthorsHourBookstore.com New and slightly read books. If you heard our author interview on our Author's Hour every Tuesday at 9 a.m., we will stock it. Call Wayne, WNRI at Yahoo.com for any locator service or a closeout book. Again, it's the new Author's Hour bookstore.com. And we put 36 more editions on the website this week and mentioned today's show for another 10% off. On the line right now, without further ado, again, today is National Vietnam War Memorial Day throughout our country. I'm surprised it wasn't publicized more this morning on the networks and what few papers there are left. And uh, a very interesting war, part of the United States history. And I tried to coordinate this, and it worked out perfect to get this particular book that's out that I really cherish. And uh, the name of the book is My Pilot, A Story of War, Love, and ALS. Now, let me just give you a little synopsis on it. This is my seventh book that I've done on the author's hour on seven different stories of the Vietnam War. And I think there's a lot more to be told. And uh, we're going to talk about, it's a wonderful book, a monument to authentic courage of combat pilot who barely escaped the horror of imprisonment in North Vietnam and his loving wife, uh, who Lou Gehrig's disease, 
and uh, a lot of other things going on with the ALS. This book, my pilot, I, I started talking about the some of the literary awards, the Independent Press Award, the Military Writers Society, uh, the New York Big Book Award, and I'm sure there's going to be more down the line. And it's from a different perspective. And like I say, I get a lot out of it. And uh, Sarah Jane is the author. And let me see. I'm going to give you a little bio on her. Her essays have appeared already. You may find this familiar with our worldwide audience. You can listen to the show on 14 different avenues and also available as a podcast after today's show on anchor.fm slash Wayne dash Barber. And her articles have appeared many times in the New York Times, the Christian Science Monitor, and her devotionals in several books. Love is a Burb, at age 42, she became a teacher of reading and writing in the Riverhead School District in Riverhead, New York. That's one of the racetracks we cover on the race chatter, where she taught for 23 years. Right now, Sarah Jane lives in West Caldwell, New Jersey, has two children, seven grandchildren, and one great-granddaughter. Good morning, Sarah Jane. How are you? Oh, good morning, Wayne. I'm just great, and I'm I'm even happier than I thought I would be hearing your wonderful introduction about all the writing exercises and events that you have connected with your station. I just think it's wonderful. Sarah Jane, so glad to be thank on. you for writing this book. Thank you. And thank you for getting your publicist to get it in my hands. I, I really, because I'm getting uh, really, really buried with the big five publishers in the country and all the independents. I, we got 377 mm-hmm. authors in one of the groups I'm in, and they're coming out with their second, third, uh-huh. fourth books. And this one slipped in the mail, and I got to tell you what it caught me right off the bat. I opened up the package, what? and my wife looks at me, and she goes, is it a romance for me, or what kind of book did you get today? And I opened it up. And I thought that uh, Ronnie Howard was on the cover. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, that was my that was my pilot, Bernard Geary. He was uh, called Bernie and Ben and all kinds of things in the Air Force. But he was 26, and that was a picture taken when he was in Vietnam. And uh, when when Mzadi Publishing said, "What do you want on the cover?" I said, "I always love that picture." Because he shaved his mustache off eventually. But uh, it was one of my favorites. So I thought, well, it's called My Pilot, and I'd like his picture on the cover. So It was uh, a fantastic choice. Yep. It really was. I well, I saw Opie, Ronnie Howitt, as soon as I saw it. And then <laughs> the bottom part, the story of war, love, and you added the ALS on the bottom for intrigue right on mm-hmm. the cover for what we call in the business a hawk. And uh, oh, this book, it, I hadn't it, heard that before. It had to be written. And I learned uh, last night, I really went through and I did uh, right through the first four chapters. And my wife looked at me in my chair and she says, It must be a good one. He hasn't moved in an hour. So I really absorbed it and I got into it. And I says, I just hope something doesn't happen when she doesn't come on the air, because this is really good. Oh, 
Why did you feel compelled to write this book? And how long did it take you to write the book? Well, I I was compelled to write the book the day I reread Bernie's letters from Vietnam from 1956, um, 1955. Uh, he was flying the F-4 Phantom over at... Uh, Cameron Bay, and it was the early part of the war. And I read those letters and just cherished them. But when my, after he died in 2013, I moved to New Jersey to be near my daughter. And I'm opening these boxes of his letters, and I opened them up and I read them, and it was as if he was standing right there talking to me. Wow. Uh, I, I opened them up and I got plastic sleeves. I put them in three ring binders. I read them over and over, and all of his heart poured out there. Um, we were married 53 years, but um, when you're in, in danger's door, you just, you know, you put it on the page, your love and your yeah. um, vulnerability. And I decided that I had to write about that. I had published a book about my mother's family uh, the year before, a notable family in Minneapolis. And I told Bernie, I said, a year before he died, I said, I'm going to write the Geary story. It's our turn. So uh, he told me all about his life. I took it down in my, uh, you know, shorthand. And I got I got here in New Jersey. When I opened it up, I said, oops, i got to find a writing group because I'd always been in groups on Long Island. And I found a wonderful one called The Right Group in Montclair, New Jersey. So because I went with them every week, I was going through my life again. I was touching life twice, writing these memoirs. I started it the night uh, Bernard went to Vietnam. And these memories were so indelible, they were just touchstones to my life. And I just, uh, they morphed into chapters. And then the chapters got longer and more chapters. And uh, I met, we had a speaker at our group. She was a editor. And I asked her if she'd look it over. And that did it. It just went from there. She loved it and said, there's a lot of people out here who want to hear the other story behind the scenes in Vietnam, the home story. So um, I went with it. I got a great publisher, Mzadi and, and Tulsa, and I've never regretted it. And from then on, I talked to people about letters. Please keep old letters. They're, they're just a wonderful history to have and pass down. And... Um, Bernie's personality came through, and I just wanted my grandchildren to know, to know where they came from, know what their grandfather was like, his courage, and and what we went through as a couple. What a segue so, we got on the very first wonderful. email of the day. Uh, you can email this show at waynewnrryahoo.com. I got a few that came in yesterday when I started advertising it, and I just got one in from Ari Honor, and that's from Syracuse, New York. And it, t- it touches oh. on the same subject that you just mentioned. Uh, she is an author, and she wanted to know how many publishers you had to make your pitch to, or was it predetermined where they wanted to print whatever you wrote? Well, I'll, I'll give her a shout-out in Syracuse. You know, Bernie was in the Air Guard down in West Hampton Beach, and you always talked about the boys at Syracuse. International Guard up there, but um, uh, I had about four authors lined up. I did research in authors that uh, handled books with military because I have a lot of quotes from his, a lot of technical stuff in there also. Four publishers, uh, you mean? Okay, four publishers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so 
um, I sent it out to two, seriously, and one was a co-publisher, which is different from a regular. Right. A co-publisher is where you give him money up front, um, and he works with you. I went with a traditional publisher, and it's a small one, which there's so many now, in Tulsa. And I love Tulsa. I was there as a kid. So I went with it, and I was so pleased with them. Um, so it, it really wasn't that much work. I only had four or five set out before me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was researching on the audience that I would have for my book and what publishers would handle that. So so many are small. I think there's uh, a designer, Mzadi, and the head gal. I think there's maybe four employees there, four mm-hmm. or five. It's wonderful. So your customer so, uh, service was that, right there at your disposal at all times. Yes, and you know they they set me up. She set me up on my website and so on and so on. They're very supportive, um, and <clears throat> so I was very pleased with that. Um, I knew I didn't have a chance with great big names, but uh, but I'm but I'm happy with it. So you just have to do some research on publishers out there and be wary. And they, I had two contracts to look at. And I hired uh, a lawyer who um, was a friend of my editor who does this. He works with authors. And he looked at the contracts. And he told me to go back to each one and tell them what I didn't like and would they fix it. Well, with the one guy, he didn't like anything I wanted to change and he wouldn't change it. But Mzadi said, sure, you can have your own picture on the cover. Sure, we'll work with you. So that's what I went with. But I had, to, I had to get the lawyer to look at it because I had never done that before. Yeah, well, that was very smart on your part to renegotiate on, to make sure everybody for future is totally happy with the way that the contracts are signed. Especially uh, for a book deal, for a Hollywood deal. You have no idea, you know, what's down the road, so get it right the first time. Yes, and he gave me suggestions, you know, uh, small things about it. Uh, that I hadn't really thought of just reading it over. And my editor didn't either. So uh, just find just find the right supportive people to help you through that. Um, now, when your husband... You know, so... Uh, when your husband entered the service, uh, that's my second email here from Bonnie from uh, Howard, Massachusetts, down in Cape Cod. He wants to know, uh, did he go into the service in a buddy system with the uh, high school classmates and stuff? No, he was, we met in college in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, co-college. Okay. I was from St. Louis, Burning was from Chicago, and there they had compulsory AFROTC for all freshmen and sophomore boys. Once they completed that two-year, two they made a decision whether they wanted to go on with it, learn how to fly out there in Iowa, and graduate as a second lieutenant, owing the Air Force five years. Um, some colleges didn't have ROTC, but in those days, many of them did. So he took to it. He loved it. He majored in economics, but he loved to f- learn to fly at their little airport. And January in 62, he graduated. I pinned on his second lieutenant bar. And we had five years to go in the Air Force. And they sent him to, uh, three months later, he went to learn how to fly the jets in Big Spring, Texas put another year in at McDill in the Triple Nickel Squadron and then went to Vietnam. We didn't know that at the time. It was going to be zip-zip to Vietnam, but it was. And he put in his time there. He came back. 
he had one more year to go. He was an instructor pilot at uh, Tampa, uh, Ellington Air Force Base. And then, I mean, still, um, then the airlines were crying for qualified pilots. Air Force train, the jumbo jets had just come out, and my sister had been a flight attendant, was saying, oh, she'd ride them in Vietnam, oh, Bernie, Pan Am, oh, TWA, you know, they're all hungry for you guys. So when he got out, he he had five interviews and could have gone with five, but he picked Pan American. And we moved up to New York after that. So um, that, that was his career in the Air Force. It was as simple as uh, falling into it in college, going to the ROTC, uh, finding his talents as a young person. Uh, nope. He ended up the cadet commander. And... Um, you know, the story went on from there. I love the part in the book where you talked about he's up in the air and they saw the black plane. And I believe it was called in oh, the book yeah. of the F-17, the spy plane. And they were, yeah. you know, I, I could picture his uh, offices above him really coming down on him. Mom is the word. Especially with the Cold War, oh. the way it was at that time in the world. But yet he saw that big black gl- uh, glimp, and he had to talk to you about it, you know, being the spouse and all that. And that really got me uh, fascinated about this, how deep he was into it at that time. And then a few pages later, you made me aware of something that I never knew, and uh a thing that's with home to me, I lost my cousin in Da Nang uh, the week he was coming home on a landmine with his Jeep. But uh, he had oh, uh, two Purple Hearts. And you touched on something there where a lot of my friends in my age group right now, I'm in my younger 70s, and a lot of us sponsors, small businessmen, went through the Vietnam and Korean War. And how this country treated everybody that got affected by Agent Orange and all of that. And for years and years, the federal government not recognizing it. And no, no, it couldn't have happened from that. And then you go full circle with the ALLS at the last part of his career and stuff like that. And then you come up with Agent Blue, Agent Red. And I wasn't aware of the seven different chemicals, or napalm, or whatever you want to call them, that were in effect during that era. It wasn't just Agent Orange. It was numerous things they tried. And a couple of them, he went through and he didn't have the proper uh, breathing apparatus that he should have had to be protected in those conditions. Mm -hmm. And I love how Mm -hmm. you worded it, but you worded it not derogatory delicately to make people aware of what you were going through as a couple that must have been so scary to you what did you fly through what color was it you know reading just the letters on that and something must have been so terrifying as a spouse well I didn't know at the time uh, Wayne I when I was uh, his room his Vietnam roommate who's passed on now uh, I called the last couple of years and he filled me in on a lot of the Agent Orange stuff which Bernie never mentioned <laughs> but I did a lot of research in it and found out yes that's what happened um, his backseater who actually ejected three times ended up with Parkinson's 
And so Jimmy would come up to us in New York from Florida and say, have you checked with the VA yet? They haven't recognized ALS as a compensatory, compensatory disease to be, uh, you know, to get, to get some money from that because of what you did. It was caused partly by your service. Um, and so I, I was kind of delicate because the government can't really say that it completely caused it. Um, they used Agent Orange around uh, different kinds of it to cut down the grass outside the bases uh, to kill things so that the enemy couldn't sneak up. They used a lot of it, um, and they I think they put it in the Philippines and Okinawa. It was out there, yeah. and they would bring it over. But um, the, when the VA did recognize it, he had just been diagnosed a year and a half before he died, and they were very good to us. But it just took a long time for the reality to come through on that. It took way um, too long. But it, it took way too long, actually. And you're talking about a government bureaucracy. And when you think about it, uh, airmen are exposed to many different things. They bury a lot of oil under the ground. There's a lot of stuff yep. under the ground at Air Force bases. Um, so they're in harm's way just being there. Doing their job. Um, yep. So, but, uh, well, thank you for that, because I wanted people to be aware of that. Um, Did you get out and do any book signings or promotion, or did the virus really hamper you, too? No, it came out right at uh, the virus. Uh, I'm in a retirement community, so I had a Zoom in a year ago, January, 20 people on it, and I went down and signed 20 books. Uh, I go out to book fairs. In New Jersey here, there's one where well, you were talking about your wonderful activities there. We talk it, but, oh, we have canal. We have old canals here. Yeah. Uh, canal, Morris Canal Day, book fair, book fair here. So last year I went out to three or four of them, and I just sold books last Saturday at a place called the Book Barn. Yeah. But it's not the money I'm, I'm giving to ALS. It's not the fact. It makes me proud that it's not only something that I wrote could affect people. But that the proceeds are going for something as good as ALS, which really needs more publicity. Yep, I um, agree. And, you know, it needs to be... Uh, and I was at this place uh, last Saturday. It was wonderful. It's the, it's the uh, exchange, I find, between people, readers, and their Vietnam experience and so on. And that kind of carries me. So, uh, yeah, I do it for the fun, but I do sell books at book fairs, so... I think you should get in the uh, National Guard uh, presentations, too, for new recruits and stuff like that. And you've got so many possibilities of promoting this book in the school systems, the library systems, the military, uh, different locations we have around the world. I mean, this book is a keeper. It's timeless. It really is. It's that well done. Thank I you. really enjoyed it. Uh, are you working? I, you know, I have spoken before BFW, but uh, yes, I would like to do more of that. Thank you. Are you working on anything new now, or you got everything on the back burner? Well, I'm working on two things uh, for my website. I'm going over my travel journals when we flew all over the world, and I'm picking out those funny, fabulous trips and writing a little blog about it hmm. uh, on my website, sarahjanegeary.com. And uh, the one I just put up the other day was when we went kayaking in Hawaii uh, with pictures. Um, 
so I'm doing those, and then I'm uh, going to work on a book, my father's family, in the Palmer family in Sedalia, Missouri. Um, very notable family. My aunt was a judge. She died at 99. Uh, both my grandfathers were congressmen. So that's how my parents met in Washington. So I have a very colorful story there and lots of memorabilia to put in it. But I love working on my pilot and talking to people about it. So um, I've been getting up at 5 o'clock. <laughs> okay. I think you've got some good subject matters for future books, and I hope I get a copy of them. But uh, the name oh, well. of the book we're talking today, you listen to the Author's Hour on Smoker 99.9 FM and 13 other avenues, including... Uh, I got to make an analogy. A tune-in radio thing. Numbers are just going through the roof every week, and it's an absolute free app, right on your phone and on your uh, electronic apparatus. And the podcast, which I was very hesitant. I says I've got enough electric stuff, but I had no choice because that's the way the whole industry is going. And anchor.fm/slash/wayne-barber. We'll have this and my other ones. And thank you very much for tuning in. The, the numbers are going through the roof. The name of the book is My oh. Pilot by Sarah Jane Jair. And it's a story of war, the Vietnam War, uh, servicemen's life in the family, uh, true love in ALS. And uh, what a super yep. job. Uh, three winners already. And if it's nominated for a few oh, other things, you. I know it's going to be in consideration. It's a timeless book. Oh, well, thank you so much, and I think for the young people too. It's a, it's a, a personal view of history that they're studying in high school, Vietnam, well, and you, know, not, you don't get it out of the history books. I, so, I think what's happening anyway. is in my generation, when a lot of people came back from Vietnam, uh, the reception that they got throughout the country was so frightening. You know, for what they went through mm-hmm. and you had the unrest at all the colleges and half of the country was forward, half was against. But the servicemen, really, they, a lot of them got out of their uniforms, took their hat off. And till this day, they will not talk about yep. it. And I think if people That's buy true. this book and pick it up or their family members who knew somebody in their family that went through the Vietnam uh, war or crisis or whatever you want to call conflict. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe it'll give them just a little bit more of what that person went through. I, I think it's a very valuable book that way. Thank you. And if any, any one of your callers or uh, interested people want to contact me, they can through my contact page on my website. Um, so it's SJ and my uh, email is sjgeary, G-I-E-R-E at yahoo.com. I'd love to hear from them the reaction again and, thank uh, you very very much for writing you. this book i have to really thank you for giving me a voice it's been lovely okay so, uh, i'd love to talk to you again okay so thank you so much wayne and get the new right. books out to me as fast as they come off the press <laughs> i will it's an audio too and uh, you know large print and um ebook so you have a choice Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. That concludes the first part of the show, and we've got to pay just a few bills here. 
Uh, they're opening up right now, and uh, the pansies are in, and they will tolerate a little frost and little snow. But for all of your um, starting needs now, for your seed starting and stuff like that, and also at last year's prices, you can still get a pallet of those Canadian wood pellets. You know, the good ones, 9,000 BTU per pound. Over at Belo's Flowers and Gift Shop, right here in Woonsocket, right up from the station, over 65 years. 766-3165. And you know, flowers from a florist last longer. And just let Jeannie Best know what's allowable in your budget, and she will match up the perfect gift from you for that fantastic gift shop they have right there. All the annuals, perennials, they'll be coming in like clockwork. They've been doing it a long, long time. And from the transition now from winter to spring, it's Belo's Flowers and Gift Shop right here in good old one socket. And don't forget about... The fastest moving thing in the country right now is uh, flipping houses. You better really do your homework because your house is going to be sold in a day. So it's generated a new business. And we're proud to have Falcon Properties Preservation Group, LLC, and that's owned by Timothy Falcon. 401-205-5786 for all your moving, all types of cleanouts. We specialize in estate cleanouts. They work with all real estate agents. Uh, tilt body trucks to save the cost of that cargo thing. Their trucks is the tilt body all in one. So it eliminates one of the steps to save you some moolah. Junk in your yard or your shed, or shed they remove that too. From Falcon Properties Preservation Group. Give Timmy Falcon a call at 401-205-5786. And we got a, a help wanted ad here too. I gotta play headhunter. And we gotta talk about Cereals, Pizza Rima, and Restaurant up the Bridgeton Triangle. If you're an ex, uh, experienced server, uh, business is absolutely booming. Uh, you know, the governor has allowed the restaurants to have more seating, uh, more hours. And for that best breakfast in Northern Rhode Island, it's Cereals, Pizza Rima, and Restaurant. For over 52 years up there at the Bridgeton Triangle. And Jeff just looked at me and he's smacking his lips. Don't tell his wife that he had a maple frosted coffee roll this morning. His cardiologist is going to get me in trouble. But he's also telling me that Cereals is still in his top five for the best pizza in all Northern Rhode Island. And you know he's a connoisseur on that. But Tuesday is Pizza Day at Cereals Pizzeria and Restaurant. 15 slices, rectangle shape, for $7 every Tuesday at Cereals Pizza Rima and Restaurant. One more little commercial, and we're going to get right on the part two of our show as we're doing our double headers. Uh, the trailers are still in uh, the he shed over in Harrisville, not the she shed, but they'll be moving out this weekend. We got Thompson this weekend, and all the other tracks will be opening up by uh, the first week of May. But the trailers are back now, the 53 footers stocked to the brim from Northeast Race Cars and Speed at Six Hill Road in Harrisville. 
and same location as Hopkins Brothers Auto Repair, 401-710-9992. Uh, race car parts and supplier and custom fabrication, chassis setup, Simpson, MSD Ignition, Willwood, Moroso, so much more. Race car parts and service from a career-long racer, Mr. Shane Hopkins. And also... Herbie's got a heck of a deal for the best brake job in Northern Rhode Island by calling uh, 401-710-9992. This is the policy. Get it repaired right the very first time using affordable parts and an affordable price at Hopkins Brothers Auto Repair and Northeast Race Cars and Speed. If you're looking for those pots to get you in Victory Lane from uh, New Smyrna, Florida, or Wiscasset, Maine, give them a call at 1-800-766-4748, and they'll UPS, FedEx, or Postal Service by 11 o'clock every day. Northeast Race Cars and Hopkins Brothers Auto Repair, 401-710-9992. Now we're going to go part two of our show here today. Very emotional book. Children's books. Two children's books. I got them in the mail. I, the covers caught my eye because the graphics are done so well. And the first book we're going to discuss is a name of it is A Thirst for Home. A Story of Water Across the World. By Christine Aranomo and illustrations by Eric Veliquez. And this graphics in this, the illustrations are just breathtaking. They're not bold and flashy. They're not matted. There's something in the middle, very, very soft. And uh, it was uh, printed here. Let me see. Illustrations by Eric and it, uh, Walker Books for Young Readers. Uh, an imprint of Bloomsbury Publishing Incorporated, Broadway, New York. And it just took my breath away. I actually had a tear in my eye reading oh, this book. so nice. <laughs> it moved me because I, I'm looking at this young girl's face. And the strife and the war going on in the Ukraine right now. And that's dominated the news. But what's going on in Africa, in Ethiopia, and all these other countries, and even South America? It's very similar, but it's put on the back burner. And all I could picture this, you know, I have eight grandchildren. And I could not picture my eight-year-old twins having to walk barefoot. For miles and miles and miles on a desert with no socks or shoes. And you better come back with some portable water. And against all those odds to get back to the family and, you know, the secondary citizens going with the mother in a girl's job versus the guys. And, you know, having to drink impure water and stuff like that, knowing it's contaminated. But the only thing available, I, I brought a tear to my eye. Uh, did you spend a lot of time in that country to see this, to witness it? So, yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show, Wayne. So, I'm Christina Ronimo, 
And A Thirst for Home actually is my first book. It came out in 2014. In 2008, I, I traveled to Ethiopia to adopt my youngest daughter. Uh, she was born in Ethiopia. And um, a lot of the book was inspired by, actually much of the book was inspired by the girls that I met over there that have to walk for water. Um, and I guess the biggest inspiration for me was uh, my daughter's birth mother, who I had the privilege of meeting. And I was just so... I was so moved, and actually, I was so grief-stricken when I met her because I realized that, you know, her situation put her in a place where she had to make that unthinkable choice to give up her child. And, you know, this was a woman who was a mother, just like me, and uh, she was trapped in this poverty that included not being able to go to school, having to walk for water, and it absolutely broke my heart. And so I wanted to bring awareness to people here about this problem. Um, the, the, the book, A Thirst for Home, A Story of Water Across the World, uh, illustrated by the amazing Eric Velasquez, it, you know, it was really my heart and soul to try to show people in, um, in the developing countries, you know, what it's like for other people around the world. And, you know, that, that maybe we need to work toward um, doing things that can keep families intact, that can uh, allow women and girls to go to school you know, um, so that they don't have to make these decisions. Um, so it was just something that I was so passionate about. I'm still passionate about. Um, it's loosely based on my daughter. She's actually 16 now, but she was two at the time when we adopted her. And um, I appreciate it. You know, at the very end, it, you know, it, it, her mother is a part of the story. Her mother really is the the um, the hero in the story, and yeah. you can see that when you get to the end. And you know, every time I read it, it still actually brings a tear it, to my eye. Uh, we've since been back to Ethiopia six or seven times. I can't even remember. I've lost count. We are um, reconnected with her mom, and she actually has an older brother and sister who, thank God, they're able to go to school now. And really, it's like my family on the other side of the world. Um, my daughter's reunited with her mom and her siblings, and it's just a very amazing um, relationship that we have together. So that's, that's the good news. What a story. You did it the right way. And uh, I got an email here, and it's asking me on the adoption for the girl... Uh, was any Catholics or religious groups involved in it? No, it was just a, it was an adoption through an agency in Minnesota. Um, uh, you know, in Ethiopia, they're they're very devout. Um, there is a large Christian population, and yep. and there's also a smaller Muslim population. Um, but the adoption itself, uh, it, we weren't involved with any religious organizations. No. Have you uh, uh, searched out other families that are thinking about adopting someone from a foreign country and guided them through it, or you're part of a group or anything like that, um, a support group? Well, I, I do have a connection with other families that have adopted in Ethiopia. Um, here in New England, uh, and actually in Rhode Island as well, um, they actually... Um, they don't allow adoption in Ethiopia anymore. The, the country has decided that they want to keep their children in their country, and, you know, for good reasons. And there's pros and cons to that, uh, and I understand why, because, 
you know, a, your, their culture is a big part of who they are, and we try to maintain that with our daughter. Um, but, I mean, I'm, on my website, anybody can connect with me. I would be happy to, you know, talk to anybody about our process and, and really what we went through. And I think the more important thing that, that um, matters to us is that we have reconnected with our daughter's country in Ethiopia, and we have a very tight, very close-knit relationship with her birth family. And to me, uh, that's the most important thing because, you know, her mother deserves to know who Alamitu, Eva Alamitu is. And Eva Alamitu, our daughter, absolutely deserves to know um, where she is from. And, I mean, that's a part of her that's in her blood. And, and I also wanted that to come through in the story that even though she came here and um, is living here, that Ethiopia is she's always connected to Ethiopia and that is a very deep strong part of her and that makes her who she is and as she gets older that will become more important to her and so that you know was very important to my husband and I and okay. and our children very very good on uh, do you have other children I do I have three older children they're bi are biological um, but I mean there's obviously there's no difference between the four they're just our four children and you know, uh, people always say, well, how did our children feel when we were adopting? And honestly, it was just like we were having a baby. And there has never been anything but love, acceptance, and, you know, and this is just our family. Uh, a question here. Are you the first one in your family to do an adoption? Actually, no. My brother adopted. That's really how we got started. Um, because he adopted a beautiful little girl and, and it just, when I met her and I heard of her story and, and she's my goddaughter, it just resonated with me. And, and adoption, my husband and I actually had gone and, and seeked out adoption. We thought that was something that we wanted to do. Um, but then when my brother adopted, it sort of, um, put us on this quicker path of, of where we, you know, what, what we did and where we are today. Well, the other thing is, too, you have to be in a financial situation, too, to be able to do all of these things, especially working with a foreign country and everything else. And you were able to do that and got the incentive from another family member on that. And mm -hmm. uh, I wish mm -hmm. there would be more of this around the world. And I look at the mess over there uh, with the war going on in one part of the world and then other continents, the same thing. And I'm wondering what's happening with all these children. I, I, there's so much separation going on. What is going to be the net result on all the children around the world? I know. I know. And it, it is. It's heartbreaking. And, and I'm hoping that with my second book, The Purple Pale, you know, children here learn about different cultures, different countries. They connect with different characters in my book from around the world and they grow up wanting to embrace the world and wanting to reach out and be compassionate and have empathy and, and want to help people in all of these different countries and that's really why I wanted to write my second children's book, The Purple Pale, which actually starts and ends in beautiful Rhode Island. Yeah, I noticed that with the lighthouses and a few other things and that's gets a cute book. But the thirst for home, that's a tearjerker. It really is. It, it is. It's pretty heavy. 
Um, uh, the Purple Pale, which is my book that's coming out. Actually, it's already out on Amazon. Um, that's a little lighter. And that, you know, I'm, I'm my books, um, I try to write books that teach children that we're all connected around the world. In A Thirst for Home, that connection, that thread that connects us all to other people is water. Obviously, we all need water. It connects us all. In the second book I wrote, The Purple Pail, um, it's about a little girl who loses her her beach pail um, at the beach in Watch Hill, Rhode Island. And the pail takes a journey around the world, stopping in different countries. And each child that finds it uses it for his own specific uh, purpose, for his own purpose. And then it moves on to the next country when when it gets lost. And it actually ends up back in Watch Hill uh, for a little surprise ending. And so the thing that connects children in this second book is this little purple pail. Even though we're we're all different around the world, you know, each child has a use for this same little pail. Instead of a message in a bottle, it's a purple pail. Yeah, it's a message in a pail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, you're, you're a very, very good writer and uh, two two different illustrators. I loved Eric's work in the first one. Very, very yeah. subtle. It just it really yeah. hits home with it, especially the expressions on the girl's face. They're just tear, yeah. tear breakers. They really are. Uh, you're on a good path here with two right out of the gun here. And I think you're going to have a good reception around the country when we uh, open up with the book signings and stuff like that and get into the libraries and schools and uh, talk about this and get them out. And it is a a world situation. You know, we take water for granted so much. We have the largest reservoir of fresh drinking water in the United States in the world. And... uh, if we ever come up with some desalination plants along our coast, like we have in San Diego, uh, we can also service more of our country here. And with something we actually take for granted here, and Detroit was really exposed with the water problem they had five years ago, and these other developing countries have no portable water. It's going to really bite them. It really is. Yeah, it, you know what? It, it It is all about water. If you go on my website, christineironimo.com, I actually spent time in my daughter's birth village, and my son, who are filmmakers, they uh, made me a short film. They helped me to make a short film about me collecting water with some of the local girls. So I actually walk for water, and it's really hard. And I wanted to do that because I wanted to know really what it was like to walk for water. So um, that's an interesting short little film that my sons helped me made, helped me make, and it kind of gives you an idea of, of what it's like. It kind of puts it all into perspective. Um, and in the book, A Thirst for Home, I write, um, you know, we could live uh, a Maye, the Alamitu's mother, says we could live a lifetime without gold, but not a day without a drink of water. That's correct. All over the world, the clouds make the rain. The rain brings us our water. This connects us to everyone and everywhere. Water is life. And at the end of the day, it, it really, it is. It's about water. It's about the water we drink, the air we breathe. Um, those are things we just cannot live with. Live without. Sorry. So. The description in the book of walking barefoot and developing the calluses on the bottom of your feet. And now yeah. you're only halfway to the journey. And then you still right. have to bear the weight 
of the water to get it back to your family to survive. That that yeah. is, and then at the end of it, she's back in the states, and she takes a glass of water and do not put one drop down the drain because it was so valuable to her, the way she was yeah. brought up, and then look into that water the puddle and see her mother always looking down on her it's a fantastic book fantastic book oh thank you it does it it has my heart just because i love i love well obviously i love my daughter but i also adore and love her mother in ethiopia and she is just somebody that inspires me and i just think that she should she's just amazing she's amazing what she has had to do to survive and how, uh, and how she has handled these sacrifices that she's made. And so, honestly, everything that I've ever done since I met her has really been inspired by her. Um, and the, uh, I miss her. The only time that I get to see her is when we travel to Ethiopia, which you can't, we can't do every day. But at least we're able to keep in touch uh, via social media. So, so thank you. Thank you very much for writing these two books and keep me on your publicist list. Get these copies to me. Anything new you come up with? Well, so the Purple Pail, um, you know, at the end, Purple Pail travels back to Watchill, Rhode Island. And it's illustrated by Nikki Leonidu, who, I mean, some of the colors in the book, I think that, that she did really an incredible job. And um, it's so funny. She lives in Greece. And I think, did you see the last page of Watch Hill? Yeah. With the, with the carousel and the brass ring yep. and, and the lighthouse. I mean, she really captured Watch Hill, which is I- incredible. I just, it took my breath away, her illustrations. But my hope is that if this book, you know, does well, that I can continue um, the journey. I can continue the journey with the Purple Pale to more countries. So, mm-hmm. so I hope kids like it. It's a very light and positive story um and i hope that it connects them with the world i mean i really want to try to um build bridges and tear down walls for children and really want them to to fall in love with the world and and not fear it you know i mean i know that there's a lot of things going on but but there's so many beautiful things around the world i love to travel and i just think that travel you know it changes you and you become more empathic and you become more compassionate and so that's really um, that's really my goal, and you get to learn about some really amazing countries. Um, so, and it's out. You know, the Purple Pill is out on Amazon, and the Thirst for Home is out wherever books are sold. And and I'm doing a book signing at the Savoy in Westerly, Rhode Island, on April 30th. So I'm very excited, and every child that comes to purchase a book. Um, they get a little purple pail that they can put their initial on, just like the purple pail is. What a great idea. So I'm excited. And I have a lot of roots. I have very deep roots in Westerly. My dad is from Westerly. My grandparents. um, So I I grew up, actually, uh, going to Westerly. My grandmother used to clean the beautiful houses up at Watch Hill. So so we're very familiar with the area. And my my two sons went to the University of, of Rhode Island, so... Christine, thank you very, very much. You can listen to this and all the other shows on podcast at anchor.fm slash Wayne dash Barber. Thank you, Christine. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, bye-bye. Take care. Bye. 
that concludes that part of the show. And, uh, you know, we'll be over at Thompson this week for the icebreaker and stuff like that. And all the other events that I've been in, all the ice fishing tournaments and opening day for trout seasons and stuff like that. But you'll always run into the same problem when somebody's kicking the tires and slamming the hood. They lock out the keys and the key fob in the car. You know, so um, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters and ex-wife to be reminded of three months alimony? No, uh, how about Larry's 24-hour towing, borrow for motor sales, order schedule Rhode Island Vehicle State Inspection? Multitasking by calling one phone number, 401-568-6286. That'll get you in touch with the folks up there. Peter, Jerry, Kerry, uh, Brian, the whole crew, ASC certified, expert body work and insurance estimates right on the promises with used auto and truck sales with new arrivals every day. Uh, you got your stimulus track and stuff. You bought something that's unregistered. You got to get it home without getting a ticket. Uh, give them a call. And uh, they will do all the transportation for you. Lockout service, jump starting service, slide off the road with some black ice this morning. 401-568-6286. Larry's 24-hour towing and Boroughville Motor Sales. Let me see if we got everybody covered here today. And the last commercial that's going to finish off the day... While I'm multitasking looking for my outro in one of my three computers is We Are at the Dragon. What a renaissance now in the comic business. Now the first week of May, Green Dragon Comics and Collectibles is going to have free comic book day. Located at One Victory Highway at the intersection of Route 100 and 102. Give her a call and like it on Facebook. Social Media Genius. 401-949-2076. 401-949-2076. Magic the Gathering, Fortnite, or any collectible in comic books and collectibles. She is quite a guru on it. I'd like to thank our guest today. Uh, let me see here. Sarah Jane Gear, a My Pilot. Excellent book. And A Thirst for Home. A Star of Water Across the World by Christine Aronomi and right here from Rhode Island, too. And we'll be back on the air Sunday morning with the WNRI, Yahoo.com, and for tuning in to the Author's Hour. Remember to shop locally and to read a book. And tomorrow, please have the best day of your life. Your host, Wayne G. Barber.